You're listening to the Polygon Podcast. On this episode, the gallery's manager, Diane Evans, and curator, Faith Musang, are in conversation about photographer C.D. Hoy. Be sure to click subscribe and enjoy. In 1999, Presentation House Gallery mounted First Son, Portraits by C.D. Hoy. Guests curated by Faith Musang, the exhibition of 81 portraits by Chow Dong Hoi were taken in the Caribou between 1909 and 1925. Hoi was one of the first Asian photographers in British Columbia. His 1,500 photographs, which are held in the Barkerville Historic Town Archives, are a unique record of the ethnic diversity of the Caribou community. Starting in 2000, the exhibition toured for five years to 15 galleries and museums across Canada. Um, good morning, Faith. Um... I thought this would be a wonderful time to do a podcast about C.D. Hoy and the exhibition that you worked on. It was 21 years ago, which really surprised me that it was that long ago. And um, the book has been long out of print. And I thought this would be a great time to bring the story of C.D. Hoy back to the now the Polygon Gallery. Um, let's start with talking about how you how you found the archive of course hi good morning, good morning. and um yeah it's a long time ago right <laughs> yeah yeah no it, it's... Feels, it feels like yesterday but it was actually a really long time ago um yeah it was probably 25 years ago by the time yeah you found the archive and then we put the show up yeah, yeah it was a long time ago um so what what had happened it's a so yeah hoy's hoy's life story is so rich in narrative and and uh so that my meeting of him also is you know complicated and full of coincidence and all of that kind of thing and mm-hmm. um what had happened is i had uh, graduated from emily carr in photography and this was in the 90s <laughs> i think it was 1993 oh i can't even believe this anyways 1993 ish and a friend of mine was uh, an actor who worked up in Barkerville Historic Town. It's a, it's a gold rush town where they have uh, historical animation taking place with actors. And he was working there and I thought, I'm going to go and visit him. And so I did. And right next door to Barkerville is a, um, another gold rush town, but from the 30s, 1930s called Wells. And that's where all the, that's where people live, <laughs> including the actors who work in Barkerville. And um, so I stayed there. And when I went to visit my friend in Barkerville, I saw an archive and I instead, I detoured right to the archive. I I actually didn't make it into the town. Uh, That's as is my want, I love archives, right? So I went in there and, you know, full of, uh, full of, you know, young woman, enthusiasm and energy i i talked with the curator and i said i was looking for any historical photographs or collections by you know uh women from the 19th century i had a a predilection towards older photographs archival photographs and he was like hemming and hawing and uh showing me a few scattered images nothing really was like "Mm, this isn't really a collection these are just sort of snaps i suppose and then he said well there is this other collection here and and he, and he kept pushing me towards it. And then um, he showed me this binder. It was a simple office binder. And I opened it and inside there were hundreds, hundreds upon hundreds of uh, photocopied 
photographs. So like, you know, second, third, third quality, like just mm -hmm. the quality was not that great. Okay. Let's just say that yeah. they were photo photocopies of photocopies sometimes in plastic protection sheets. And they were all portraits, like one after another, after another, after another. And I said, what is this? And the people in the photographs, uh, you know, they were all from around the turn of the century. Uh, there were Chinese, lots of Chinese people uh, singly and in groups, lots of indigenous people singly in pairs and groups, family groupings, and lots of um, Caucasian people, family groups, again, all of them, right? Just portraits upon portraits upon portraits. And so I asked the curator, I said, what is this? <laughs> And he told me a little bit about it. And uh, the photographs were by uh, Mr. Hoy, as we now know of him. His now, name is Chow Dong Hoy. And he was a, um, uh, like a photographer, a, a photographer in Barkerville, which is where this archive was, but mostly in Quenelle, which is a neighboring city. And um, the photographs were uh, donated. I believe they were donated. I don't think that Barkerville purchased them although I could be wrong, they were donated to the archives um, um, pr just prior to that, like I think in the late 80s or early 90s. Um, mm. And they had sort of been there. Some work had been done to archive them um, under the, the, the leadership of then curator Bill Quackenbush, and they're still being protected by now curator Mandy Kilsby up in Barkerville Historic Town. Mm -hmm. um, in all, I would say there were 1,500 images. In fact, no, you wow. know what? I have the exact number. There were 1,531 negatives there. Wow. Were, were uh, they all portraits? That's the one thing I'm really curious about. Yeah, so most of them were portraits. Uh, the great majority, 95% of them were portraits. What had happened is that Hoy did take a trip down to California at some point with his family and took a host of photographs of... Uh, imprisoned animals at the zoo <laughs> well, and they weren't funny. that good right they just were they were they were okay but it was it was yeah. more like family snaps and but you know how it is everything gets jammed into one well they were all kind of jammed into a suitcase at one point that's under right bed, under, yeah. under a bed that's right so yeah what happened is that his son had taken his son had uh acquired the suitcase of all of these negatives and uh and he passed away and then his wife, so Hoy's son's wife, uh, her name was Jerry Hoy, she also had them under the, under the, uh, the bed and was talking about them to uh, an employee of Barkerville at that time. Her name, I think, was Leah Hubinsky. And she said, she was just like, oh my God, that sounds amazing. And then well, she was the one to negotiate the transfer of the images to Barkerville. So someone, you know, you hear so many of those stories, Diane, of... Uh, stuff being hucked out into dumpsters. Yeah, 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 and it would have been so easy to have that happen. You yeah. Know? Because yeah. I recall that Hoy's family had never seen the photographs. That's right, that's when right. When we did the exhibition, they, yeah. they were astonished. Yeah, they, yeah, they, exactly, they, right? Yeah. They were astonished. Yeah. I remember doing the interviews with the Hoy daughters and the eldest daughter, uh, whose name was Evelyn uh, slash Avalon, like, either or and uh she had said that she didn't even remember her father's uh that his that his photo career was done by the time that she had come along his firstborn daughter mm -hmm. so um you know his 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 productive years were very short which i find is very typical of a lot of photographers actually whether they're 
artists or uh, except for Yucho Chow here in Vancouver, who had kind of a longer career. Um, uh, Hoy's photography was uh, uh, an, an economic imperative at some point in his life, at some mm -hmm. points in his life, forgive me, but um, a sideline uh, when his real business, his quote, real business took over, which was uh, running a dry goods store in the town of Quenelle. Well, Hoy's story just about Hoy was pretty amazing, like coming over to to Victoria, being a houseboy, um, yeah. spending all his money to learn English, yeah. and then heading up to the Caribou, where yeah. he walked like 150 miles at one point, <laughs> you know. And, um, I'm like, I didn't even know running shoes were invented that yeah, early. Yeah, and, and then he did so many different jobs. He was what he was a cook. He was a fur trader. He worked for the Hudson's Bay Company. He um, worked on a rail. I don't know if he worked on the railway. Yeah, he but did. It was, Grand it, yeah, it was just like you did anything you had to to survive in like 1910 or 19, whenever it was up there, the early 1900s. Yeah, and how one great story I would love to share with people. Or there's a couple, mm -hmm. of course, right? But yeah. the one about the one that you sort of hinted at was the Hudson's Bay Company story. Mm -hmm. I think that story <laughs> uh, really highlights his schutzpa, uh, schutzpa. Yeah, he had a lot of schutzpa. Yeah, he certainly did. So he was working um, <clears throat> at the fort in the Fort St. James Hudson's Bay Fort, <clears throat> and the chief factor there uh had an uh, uh his wife was indigenous and that's that was a typical sort of thing that happened uh, is that these scots came and then married into the local community and so she was dekel and uh, you know back when i was doing this research <clears throat> that that nation was called the carrier nation but now it's i think it's known as dekel and so she spoke the central uh, dekel dialect and her daughter as well spoke that dialect. And I met, oh my goodness. I met, I met the, the daughter's daughter. So I met the granddaughter of these people. Mm -hmm. And apparently, so Hoy worked as their, as their you know, cook and housekeeper. And he hung out a lot with the chief factor's wife and her daughter. And he learned this dialect from them. And when he was, proficient or sufficiently sufficient in the language <laughs> he immediately quit the job with the Hudson's Bay moved two miles away from the post and started Hoy's trading post like in direct competition yeah, yeah. with the Hudson's Bay right yeah, that's yeah. like that's like doing let's anyways it's like taking down Amazon sort of <laughs> today right and yeah. um and and you know <laughs> like it in his own diary, it's very funny. He says, yeah, there were problems with this idea, right? I'm sure there were lots of problems with it. But one of the things that he did, not only did he sort of take on the monster, right, of the, the, the giant Hudson's Bay uh, empire, but he also, because um, there wasn't a lot of cash flow happening, so he created what I call the equivalent of Canadian tire money. <laughs> and it was, it was called the Hoi trading bucks, right? And the Hoi trading dollars. And so he would pay for furs with this, sort of promissory notes, but they were actual, he had them made, right? It's like you could, 
you could take these Hoy trading dollars away with you and bring them back and buy stuff in his store. It was the exact same model. So while he's, um, while he's there being the housekeeper, he sort of got his eye on the business as well, right? So Yeah, yeah. I think he seemed to always have had his eye on business. So. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, how did you go about the research once you realized this, there was this amazing archive and, and those photographs, they provide such rich information as a kind of unique historical record that any written in material culture doesn't provide. You, know, you must have realized very quickly that this was an amazing collection. Yeah, it was. It was an amazing collection. Um, yeah. Um, did you, you know, when I saw these, go ahead. Yeah. Did you find the Hoy family first or did you start asking I, around yeah. town? Yeah. I, I, you know, I, uh, when I do research and I still do a lot of this kind of research today, mm -hmm. of course, mm -hmm. and it's kind of like almost the backbone of my career. And, um, you know, when you do research, it's sort of many pronged, right? And you just yeah. throw all sorts of lines into the sea and see what happens. Mm -hmm. And so I was immediately start looking for the Hoy family. Um, I immediately, um, I mean, I looked through the archives, I combed through the archives to see if there was any, they have other records there at Barkerville Historic Town, right? And so mm -hmm. any other photographic evidence, like face, uh, matching photograph to photographic face to photographic faces, one of the best ways to do research, yeah, yeah. of course. And so I went to the Quinell archives and so I did archival research in the neighborhood, in the, mm -hmm. in the region, uh, mm -hmm. heading up to Prince George, Fort St. James, uh, down south, uh, um, like down to, oh my God, Soda Creek, places like that. Mm -hmm. And um, so I did archival research, but then I started just putting um, feelers out into the uh, indigenous communities in the area and there was something that was quite lovely about this work uh in terms of research and uh the indigenous communities is that it was my intention always was and i carried through with this intention was to return these things to the community to the family mm -hmm. i mean uh, you know one of the things about the so these photographs come from the caribou region of bc which is the interior right and it's well known as a place, uh, well, it started with gold, of course, yeah. um, but it's a ranching place, it's a logging place, it's a gold place, it's a, it's a trapping place, right? Mm -hmm. Really sort of uh, um, essential industries, I guess. Not, not essential, but you know, primary industries, extractive industries, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so life is, uh, you know, lots of fires happen is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> but yeah, lots of yeah. cabins, lots of people living in kind of quasi, you know, not, you know, nobody had central air conditioning, right? It's kind yeah, of a... Yeah, no, life wasn't easy at that time. It was not easy. And that's, you know, there's always that, uh, that that's a cliche, but it's actually 100% true, 100% true. And so, you know, people would lose photographs. Like a lot of, there's a lot of loss, right? Not only of mm. life. Uh, but things and homes and communities, right? Like right, right. it's 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 a it's it's a beautiful and you know the winters are unforgiving, all of it. Yeah. So I I surmise that a lot of these photographs wouldn't be existing in people's collections, partly because of the number of stories I heard about fires <laughs> that wiped out homes yeah. and people, 
Um, yeah. I was like, oh, there's a good chance. And sure enough, that was true. Yeah, and so I, the attention was yeah, always. Did you ever find any vintage photographs by Hoy? Oh yeah, I did a few, but not that many. Not that yeah, many. Yeah, yeah. So my intention was always to return these images to these people, uh, to the people who would recognize their families. Right, and right. so then I would I would head out to uh, different places. I uh, heading even down into what is called uh, uh, Sokoting territory, which is sort of the road from Williams Lake out to Bella Coola. Mm -hmm. And um, and I just go and visit people and I would go and visit uh, the bands, uh, band councils, uh, visit elders. It was all done uh, through proper protocols and whatnot. And I just met so many amazing people and when they saw their relatives, it was incredible, right? Yeah, it must have been really. <laughs> it was incredible. Like yeah. Diane, I can't tell yeah. you. It was incredible. It was. Yeah. It was moving. Yeah, and, I'm uh, sure it was. I'm sure. Yeah. Because I even remember during the exhibition, men were in the gallery weeping, and yeah. and looking at the photograph, saying, "This is our history," yeah. and it it was really moving that way. Yeah. yeah. It was really, wow. yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, not, neither did we. That, that yeah. it, photographs had that impact on people. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. And um, I, I went and visited a family. Uh, it was the Alexandria Reserve or Estelle, and it's on the west side of uh, Fraser River. So the, the Caribou Highway goes up the east side of the Fraser River. So the west side of the, of the Fraser River you can access it, but it's, you know, by lesser roads. There are no highways over there. Mm -hmm. um, so I would have to take these dirt roads and go through ranch country. And uh, Estelle was uh, Alexandria Reserve. Um, and there was a family there uh, called the Alexanders. And um, I showed the photograph uh, to an elder. And he did. He got up on his crutches and went into his house and brought out two uh, photographs that were the photographs I was showing him. Granted, wow. mine were uh, photocopies of photocopies, <laughs> mm -hmm. and his were the original uh, blown up, and they were of his mother. Was uh, that Josephine Alexander? No, that's Matilda Joe. Oh, Matilda so, Joe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so Frank Joe was the gentleman I spoke with, and wow. uh, he, anyways, you know, we just we just sat in a in a in a, in a meadow, <laughs> you know. And the hot summer day, just sitting in meadows for hours, right? Going through these things and talking and, and uh, you know, that, that stuff doesn't leave your body, that memory. It's, no, no, I'm sure I, it doesn't. This was, a, this was a real gift. And so, and also there was another photograph where he was in the photograph as a just brand new baby. Wow. Um, hmm. And Hoy had been working at a ranch, a nearby ranch at that time as a ranch hand, and, uh, but had his camera with him and had photographed a lot of the people in that neighborhood or in that community mm -hmm. um, at the time when he was a ranch hand, you know, I would assume, I'm going to assume that they paid him for it. Yeah. But, you know, that assumption has a s number of holes in it. Like people yeah. didn't really have money. That's one of the holes. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And um, there's very, we don't really know anything about how he got his cameras or even the dark room or how he learned to do that. I know. I know. Yeah. The, the only way I know that what his one of his first cameras was, and it's an oddly named camera, uh, it's the, called the 3A Special Kodak Model A. 
Wow. And uh, it took um, it, the negatives that were in that were one of the negative sizes that he had. And in, in so there, there were like three different negative sizes in the collection. Right. And um, the, the 3A special Kodak Model A uh, uh, took uh, three and a quarter by five and a half negative, five and a half inch negatives. Right. Or right. use those negatives. And so that way I was able to sort of sequester those negatives off. Mm-hmm. You know, so when you're doing research, right, and you have a photograph and you're trying to find out, I mean, we, we tend to want to create narrative. Yes. Like in our lives, obviously, uh, it, it, people are interested in story. And so we're looking at the story of Hoy, you know, and his story is really interesting. We're looking at the, uh, these photographs and the people in them all had rich, complicated lives full of story mm-hmm. as well. And um, as a researcher, you know, it's best to actually do the research rather than just create the stories, right? Like based on something real. (laughs) It it uh, probably really helped that Hoy kept a journal, that he he wrote about his life too. Yeah, it really did help. It really did help a lot. But he didn't write a lot about actual photography, his actual photography. And so you go into the photographs themselves to find the clues as to when this photograph was taken, you know, what was Mm -hmm. going on? Was it summer? Was it winter? And yeah. one of the early mysteries, Diane, it was because, you know, I was showing the photographs around the Dekel territories and get, not getting a lot of quote hits, right, in terms of mm-hmm. recognition or da, 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 da. And I just kept going further and further afield, you know, knowing that these people actually existed. That's one of the beauties of photography, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. well, anyways, archival photography, older photography. Yeah. And, yeah. and so I, I went and then I, and I started, I was like, well, I'll go down to Williams Lake. I just kept going further and further afield from Cornell. And, mm-hmm. and then I started down the Chilcotin Road. And that's when it was like becoming clear that a lot of these people, uh, the indigenous people were Chilcotin. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I found out why. And because, talking to a rancher, he was a Caucasian rancher uh, named Mr. Webster. And... Uh, he said uh, that during the summer, uh, Quinnell had, on July 1st, Dominion Day, they had a, a giant rodeo. Oh. And so the indigenous men from the Silcotan Nation were incredible riders, incredible riders. Mm-hmm. And like the stars of the circuit, essentially. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, maybe this is local uh, prejudice. <laughs> But these people were like the stars. And uh, and so a lot of these people, when the rodeo circuit came, um, they would, uh, uh, you know, horse and buggy, horse and wagon, all the way to Quinell. There was tons of money to be made um, if you, if you, you know, won, if you were the, right. yeah, yeah, if you, if you, uh-huh. if you, if you showed well or you know, did, did the, did the rodeo circuit stunts and survived? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And Ooh. became the top of the heap. Anyways. And so all of these men and their families would head to Quinell for this rodeo. So in some of the photographs, Diane, it's amazing. If you look at the details, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of young men, you know, they seem, yeah. Anyways, they, yeah, they, they're there and they, they've got uh, one of them has a bottle of whiskey in his hand, just a lot yeah. of bravado. Right. And, yeah, yeah. and, uh, some have their show chaps on, which are uh, chaps that would protect. Yeah. Uh, but the show chaps were always better quality and yeah. And, and I remember this, there was there was one photograph I really remember, and it's three First Nations men, all in like dress clothes, 
And if you look really yes. closely at the photo, their work clothes are underneath. They've pulled their pants over top and they have suspenders <laughs> and, and, and armbands. And, and it's like, it, just, it gives you such a story of like them dressing up for the photograph. Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, and I don't know if they brought those clothing to Quinnell, uh, those, you know, pants and, you know, the non-dusty clothing, right? Yeah, because yeah. they knew they, they wanted to get their photograph taken or just because it was a party and it's a time to show yourself yeah. off in your yeah. best clothes, yeah, right? Yeah, you just don't know. And yeah. I'd like to talk about the photographs that really I found to be really touching were the ones of the, the um, Asian miners, yeah. those, those individual portraits of the men. And this, you know, he made postcards of them, from what yeah. I understand. And, and my notion, my idea is they probably had those photos taken to send back to China to say, I'm still here, I'm still yeah. alive. Right. And, and the photographs are so touching. And there's, there's probably, I think in the exhibition, there was a dozen of them, all yeah. these individual men sitting posed before the camera. Yeah, so, I yeah, agree. Those, yeah, those were probably some of his, his early photos, do you think? Uh, we think so, yeah. That, yeah. That's, that's who's we, I say we. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> who knows? Me, myself, and I think so, yes, I agree. And, um, and I, because in Ahoy's own uh, memoirs, the ones you were talking about mm -hmm. earlier, he, he does, I mean, he mentions uh, that when he, you know, when, he, when his business, the Hoy Trading Company business failed, and he had a number, a series of jobs, and then he went to Barkerville in the spring of 1909, and uh, mm -hmm. the ground is frozen up there. There's no mining going on, so yeah. that's when he becomes a. Um, that's when he self-styles uh, himself. <laughs> He's like, I am now a photographer, a barber, and a watch repairman. <laughs> and right, He's yeah, like, this yeah. is what I'm going to do, and yeah. no experience. <laughs> I remember he had a really funny story about being a watch repairman. He just like. <laughs> jingled them around in some oil and if they started working again it worked and if they didn't work they were he couldn't fix them <laughs> so um and then you know it, it'd be wonderful to talk about his family he had 12 well well i did read he went back to china twice first yeah. to, to meet his wife yeah. and then again in what 1917 to bring her back to canada that's right. And the journey is, it just kind of amazes me when I think about that. And yeah. then, then his 12 children. Yeah. You know, and and yeah. he probably was still photographing, it looks like from, what, 1903 maybe to, I wonder when he stopped. Like yeah, we don't know. So he was, uh, he was, it was a little, his photography was a little later than 1903. It was like 1909 yeah. is the first oh, right. actual image right, in right. Rockerville. And, yeah. um, but, um, you know, he's still doing self-portraiture and family portraiture, but uh -huh, his, his, uh -huh. his sort of view to the outside world, you know, like using um, people coming to have their photographs taken. Mm -hmm. As I said, they ended, um, by the time his daughter Avalon, uh, you know, has like recollection ability. And, um, and I don't have that date with me right now when that yeah. was, but you know, I would say by the mid twenties, he's done. Yeah. No, yeah. because uh -huh. by then his, uh, he's, his business has really taken off yeah. in terms of, you know, that he's like a, he's a, he's a central businessman in Quinnell, right? Like he's a big yeah. deal. <laughs> 
yeah, with a big family. Store. Yeah, big family and a general <laughs> store and you know a rooming he had a rooming house. He wow. was uh yeah, he was he was also the um, the gold dealer in town, so people would bring their gold dust and nuggets to him and mm -hmm. he would weigh them out and pay people. Um you know, yeah. It, it's kind of an incredible guy and so, you know, in terms of doing this research, right, I, uh, I found out a lot about the indigenous people and the Caucasian people who sat for him. Mm -hmm. And in terms of the Chinese, the thing you touched on earlier, right, the poignancy of these yeah. individual men uh, mm -hmm. is because a lot, most of them did not have their families here. These were yeah. men yeah. that came over from China <clears throat> um, in order to, you know, <clears throat> I don't know how many listeners would know this, but excuse me, but in in China, BC, I guess North America even, uh, was called Gold Mountain, exactly. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the, the, the California Gold Rush, um, the Caribou Rush, the, and then later the Yukon Rush. Like, um, but a lot of Chinese men came here. A lot of them were already here because of the, the railroad, working for the mm -hmm. railroad as yep. in, you know, indentured uh, workers. And, so they would come by themselves. And of course, then the government also put in pretty restrictive measures against Chinese immigration right. called the, ex, uh, the well, they had taxes as uh, first yeah. from, I think, 1885 to about 1903. And then uh, the Exclusion Act. No, 1885 up until the Exclusion Act, excuse me. Um, and then in 1923, the Exclusion Act came in, which banned immigration. So what's interesting about Hoy's story about going back to see his, uh, his bride or his wife-to-be, it's, of course, an, a, a very traditional arranged marriage. He goes back in 1911, marries her, and then uh, comes back to Canada without her, because uh, at that point in 1911, the head tax is $500. It's a lot of money. Yeah. Um, could not afford to bring her back. And... But in 19, uh, when he goes back in 1917 to get his wife, um, what had happened, there was a government agent uh, named Edgar Lunn, uh, a Caucasian gentleman in town who uh, told Hoy that there was, you know, he had his ear to what was happening in the federal government. Mm -hmm. And he said, they are going to bring down this act. Uh, they're talking about it. <laughs> you, should, right. you should go. You should go. And in fact, he helped uh, Hoy secure his loan from the bank, as a lo not his loan, I loan from the bank in order to go back and bring his wife mm -hmm. to uh, British Columbia um, before the rumors and the swirlings of these uh, exclusion, the Exclusion Act actually came into being, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it was interesting. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, it was, you know, there was... A, People in those kind of communities, it's a hard scrabble life. They tended to look out for each other a bit more. And I'm sure there's all sorts of evidence of people not looking out for each other, but um, you know, I saw a lot of it in these photographs for sure. Yeah, yeah, you do. And, and what's so fascinating about this photographs is there's such a rich ethnic diversity in the photographs of the, the First Nations and the Caucasians and the Chinese and when I look at them, I feel like Hoi knew them, like he yeah. was friends with all of them, that yeah. you could see there's a rapport that yeah. you don't always get, say, when you look at August Sanders' photographs, who yeah. 
was photographing in Germany and Sander was actually photographing, I looked it up at the exact same time as Hoy. Virtually. Are you serious? Yeah, Sander started really early. His first studio was 1909. Same and then, <laughs> that is the exact same time. Yeah, and then he- Not that uh, Hoy is Sander's. <laughs> no, but his career of course lasted up until yeah. like World War II. Yeah. But, but with Hoy's photographs, you you see he was really part of that community yeah absolutely i mean i would imagine that these people were his customers right and so yeah. one of the things i didn't write about you know it's funny when you do research and you have it uh you have it sort of cemented into a book right this thing exists mm -hmm. and yeah. i and i look back in it now one of the things i absolutely did not talk about and i'm like oh i can't believe i overlooked that part <laughs> was the uh was the idea that um these people were his customers and um, and so one of the things uh, especially at that time is that uh, um, you know when someone came to a store they didn't have money they had the promise of money after a crop came in or after the rancher paid them so Hoy kept books right of what people owed him and um, so some of these people <laughs> might have been in Hoy's debt um, <laughs> you know and uh, you know, but anyway, so just that question of this relationship that he would have had to these people, it, it wasn't, uh, it would have been complicated. And I do remember one of his daughters saying that at the end of the year, um, the Chinese New Year, one mm -hmm. of, the, one of the, the concepts is to sort of clean off old debts or clear away old debts. And mm -hmm. that she remembers that he would just sort of clear off his books and say, yeah, I'm not going to see anything from these people, right? He would just right. sort of give them a, just like, we're done, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and forgive, uh, them. <laughs> forgive them the debts, right? Because, you know, when you're living like that, you know how, when you're, you know, you're, he's not above these people, he is with them, right? right. He's in their community yeah. Yeah. Um, trying to survive just like them, so he knows. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, let's talk about some of the photographs. I think what is really interesting is that you know i think of him as an untrained photographer he didn't train anywhere he didn't work in a photo studio but he had that uh, that that intuition i don't know what it is it's not but to hang a backdrop <laughs> and, and to put up a curtain or put up a piece of canvas put yeah. a chair down and and you know most of the photographs you see they're all taken outside just about yeah. all of them yeah. And he's hung up a piece of canvas or, or a piece of fabric and people have posed in front of that. I mean, I think, I mean, I, I've taught photography for a long time and just to, to get students to do that sometimes, I just couldn't do it, you know, like you got to think of your background and, and <laughs> but Hoy knew he, he had that, that eye. And all I can think of is saying he had a really good eye. Yeah, and he did have a really good eye, and yeah. uh, but I think he had a really good eye. And again, I, 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 you know, what what is that? But the, also the thing you talked about the relationality, right, of him, yeah. of the photographer to subject, and also you know the comfort, the obvious comfort of the people in the photographs. But uh -huh. you know, in a bigger, in a bigger way, you know, uh, there's something so powerful about creating, and you touched on it earlier about creating a. A document that proves you exist that's right that you are still here somehow yeah, right and yeah. in that time and you know this 
uh, all of the uh, stuff that's happening with Chinese immigration, all the stuff that's happening mm -hmm. with indigenous people and residential schools and mm -hmm. creations mm -hmm. of reserves and removing people from their ancestral land, right? It's like these documents, like when you take a portrait, right? You're taking it for you or for your mm -hmm. family or right. for the future, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But these are, for me, whether or not these people were thinking this at the time, there's something about the agency of people in these photographs that I find incredibly powerful. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, and especially if you look at the type of photography that was happening again at the exact same time, Edward, Edward yeah. S. Curtis, I yeah. think I mentioned in the book that he was um, on the West coast of Vancouver Island, making a film with the Chalnuth people. Um, mm -hmm. And the film was titled in the land of the Headhunters," Right. And, and, <laughs> And, you know, so there's this sort of crazy myth, stuff going yeah, on. Yeah, this crazy myth of the, the Indian or something. Yeah, who was precisely, creating. right? And yeah. here's uh, Hoy showing people as people living yeah. their very real lives. Like in some of the images with the Chinese miners, like the, the, the image that we have on the front of the book, you know, the man's shoes look like they are barely fitting him. Um, his hands are big, you know, the big hands of people who mm -hmm. use their hands to work. Yeah. Um, a lot of the women have dresses on that are dirty and, and ripped and torn and mm -hmm. it, it, you know, it's, it speaks about hard work. It also, you know, quote frontier living, but, uh, it, you know, it also speaks about the fact that they probably didn't have any money to get a nicer skirt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, that simple. Yeah. It, yeah. It is that simple. And, um, what was I going to say? Uh, some of that let's, the photographs of the groups of families, I think they're really, really wonderful. These, yeah. the, there was the Moffat family and the Drinkwell family and the Irwin family. Yeah. And the, were you able to meet any of those family members from them or? Yep, yeah. uh, definitely the Moffats, the Drinkrows, no. No, yeah. uh, The Drinkrow family had a, a, a tragedy and and when the when the the father drowned, there's a lot of drowning fires up yeah. there. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, uh, sure. yeah, yeah. And so, you know, when you've got that sort of system where the father is the bread earner and mm -hmm. he dies, you you go elsewhere, right? Yeah. On, on, yeah. To to seek something else. And so the Drinkwell family had left. Although there was one, uh, yeah. Anyways, it. The mother had left the, the neighborhood. Um, and again, this is according to my recollection. And as I'm saying this, I'm like, wait a second, was there a drinker still in Quenelle? I can't really no, remember. No, but no. the Moffat family, definitely. In fact, I was just thinking about uh, one of the Moffats uh, last night. And that family was a very, like a powerhouse family in the community. Yeah. Yeah. And the other, the other families that I absolutely love, and uh, again, you talk about the detail in the photographs are, are the families with, uh, with um, the indigenous uh, wives and the Caucasian men, and they're, mm -hmm. they're clearly trappers. And but what's really interesting is you look, the men are wearing the, the beautiful, the moccasins that were without doubt made by their wives. And, mm -hmm. and uh, so there was, even though, of course, uh, the, the culture um, of the Dekal people and the Sokotan people, uh, of course, you know, uh, <laughs> visited upon, right? Uh, these external, you know, these foreign people coming in and taking over the land. 
and make and you know and putting questions about the culture forward uh or, or um it's 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 uh, it's amazing to see these photographs that once again prove that when cultures come together that there's always this space of transference right um mm -hmm. and so a lot of the a lot of the caucasian people not just the men married to indigenous women but a lot of the caucasian people are wearing indigenous gloves um definitely fancy embroidered gloves but the but the workaday shoes right the moccasins mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. you know i i really appreciate seeing those kind of details right yeah yeah um, I remember there's some wonderful photographs of Josephine Alexander. Yeah, and she, she appears in quite a few of the photographs. There's one of her with Hoy and his arms around her and they're smiling. And, and there, there's also several others. How, how, how were you able to find out about her? I mean, yeah, I, I met uh, Josephine Alexander's nephew. Wow. And um, yeah. <laughs> And he remembered quite a bit because, as you can tell from the photographs, <laughs> she's a character, right? Really and so was, yeah. the characters get remembered. <laughs> mm -hmm. And she worked for Hoy, and apparently Hoy had a potato field somewhere. I did never found out where that was. And so she was working. Yeah, it's not really clear. Somehow she was working on his potato field. Maybe she was looking after it or or harvesting it but she also worked closer than that because um there are lots of photographs of her in and around his store mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. she was i think she was beautiful yeah she was she was beautiful. <laughs> like a strikingly beautiful woman yeah. and there are lots of stories about her um she had a number of different marriages i think she outlasted them all <laughs> <laughs> There was a, a story of her possibly uh, going to marry someone, but the last minute she like took off on a horse and didn't marry him. Anyways, mm -hmm. there was just, and she was a freighter. Like yeah, a that's, that's what I really love. The story that she drove these big wagons with horses delivering goods. Yeah. You know, yeah. Where, where you, you tend to not think that, you know, yeah. these women were doing this. Yeah. Like a really powerful woman. And yeah, no, for it. sure. And then, and then the other story, of course, I, I uh, is a uh, member. I told you about uh, Frank Joe bringing out the picture of his mom, Matilda mm -hmm. Joe. Right, so, that's what I was going to talk about. Matilda, <laughs> she was really this. She was she was a hunter. She provided food for the 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 community. Yeah, she did. Yeah. She would yeah. go out in the winter, hunt moose. Uh, you know, I I don't want to get into too much detail, but like. Yeah quarter them let's just call it that quarter them i can't imagine and then sled quarters back so she would go out you know say say you're out 10 kilometers or something catch a moose quarter it sled it back do that four times like it's just you know to keep the family and the community yeah. going it's just amazing and i feel like a real slug of bed when i talk about these people <laughs> yeah you know I mean, I guess we all rise to our occasion if, if we're capable. And so I, there's a lot of people rising to the occasion up in the interior of BC mm -hmm, at this time, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when you met the Hoy daughters, how, how did that happen? How, how were you able to get in touch with his children? Yeah, I just, uh, I, how did I do that? So it was, I found out that um, it was Anne Lore was the first one I talked to, I believe. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
was it her? Yeah, I believe it was Anne Lore. And so I just found out that she had married this man named Mr. Lore. And, uh, and so I just went into the Vancouver phone book <laughs> and just found all the lores and I just started calling them. And uh, eventually, you know, I'm just, it's funny when you're cold calling people with a weird story. <laughs> you know, you have to like rush into it before they click hang up. And uh, so it's like, hello, I'm, my name is Faith Musang. I'm a researcher. You know, I am, I found these, we found these photographs and, and, um, and I, so I give my spiel and she said, I'm the one you're looking for. And I was, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, what a and then she introduced me to all of the family, wow. all of these amazing people. Um, uh, and you know, uh, Anne and Lona, um, delightful people, uh, you know, just there's, this family is amazing and i've even met hoy's great-grandson who is now a photographer himself wow. like it, huh. it, there's this, this uh you so you know they were uh they were caribou girls right i can yeah. so they were <laughs> i remember you saying that, that that you were nervous about meeting them and then you realized very quickly that they were caribou gals so yeah yeah for sure well, for sure i remember so was... my father is uh uh Go ahead. No, sorry. No, no. Go ahead. I would no. I just my my father is half Chinese, and so I I know about protocols about Chinese elders, right? So I uh -huh. I went with the the basket of fruit and do, 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 and they laughed, and they kind of like laughed and almost slapped me in the back, right? <laughs> <laughs> and they're like ha ha ha, right? We see what oh. you're doing, right? And uh, <laughs> but then they just sort of sat down and told me about you know rodeos and jumping out of their windows at night to go meet boys and you know the things that wild children yeah. do yeah yeah um i well i thought it was wonderful when when we put the exhibition up they were of course at the opening and then the next week um we had a class of elementary school kids in and jeffrey farmer was doing it I talk about them and Lona and um, Anne walked in and sat down with the kids and talked to them all about the caribou and it was it was really wonderful the, the kids were just so happy to to meet I remember one of the little boys saying how does it feel to be famous when they were talking to them and, and then they ended up the next day they both came back and they were our docents for the entire exhibition they came every day stood in the gallery and talked to everybody coming in the door it was yeah it was so generous and 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 i think their father it was just from their father he was probably the same this like generosity yeah yeah, I, I think you're right about that. And I think the thing about the photographs and about the family and about our treatment of the show and, and the reception of the show was that it was always down to earth. And, yeah. um, and I really loved that. I, I mean, I don't, I, just yeah. the whole thing would always be just dragging me down to earth, like keep it real, keep it real, keep it real, right? Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I think that that was, um, I think that's kind of the power of the work, right? These are the, these are photographs of everyday people doing everyday things. You know, they're having their everyday lives and stopping and having a photograph by town shopkeeper. Mm -hmm. And uh, we 
we, you know, when simple, we don't pay enough homage, I think, to simple acts, you know, yeah. and they really do resonate. And I re do you remember the opening and uh, how hot it was in the gallery? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That was and just before I went in, I was in the woman's bathroom, you know, freaking out. And, uh, and I just looked at myself in the mirror and I said, you know, just keep it real, right? Don't worry. Mm -hmm. Just go in there and, yeah. And, yeah. and I had received that, that, uh, those words of the day before from Hoy's daughter, Lona Joe, who just said, you know, just, just be who you are and just go in and do this. And the, the gallery was packed. It was hot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember that too. There's like 300 people. We'd had right. a full page in the Vancouver Sun kind of a yeah. few days before. Yeah. And people it had resonated. come down from the caribou to, yeah. to see the show. Yeah. It was a big deal for people. It was sort of a returning of a returning of these images to the community, mm -hmm. to themselves in a way, right? So that yeah. to me, uh, yeah, I was I was profoundly affected by this work. Not just I mean, I'm not talking about my career, but I'm talking about, you know. Uh, the space that you hold inside of you, right? And mm -hmm. so, you know, it, yeah. Anyways, I and I also got to interview like hundreds and hundreds of elders and not just indigenous elders, Chinese elders, Caucasian elders, you know, I met people that remembered the 1910s, 1920s, you know, I met people who actually talked about remembering, funnily enough, the uh, Spanish influenza, you know, in yeah. Quinell and what that was like. and. Mm -hmm. That kind of stuff is, is I, I don't know. I just feel gifted with that. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's really touching. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and you really see it in the photographs. Um, it's such yeah. a beautiful like representation of a community. So yeah, but. yeah, and it and it breaks all the stereotypes, right? So, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, the uh, indigenous uh, riders who were the heroes of everyone in the in the in the neighborhood. Uh, the Chinese cowboy Kong Sing, yeah, yeah. Who, right, whose yeah. father Nam Sing was one of the earliest ranchers in 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 that region, right? Mm -hmm. Just mm -hmm. came from China and became a rancher, you know. And you can picture him by the fence post talking with the other ranchers about the crops. I mean, this was what it was like. And yeah. and Kong Sing was an amazing horseman. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and he he made knives he yeah. and also he walked with a cane like yeah apparently and and yeah. some i mean i you know it's one of the things about research is like is this true is this not true like he had a that he had a fake leg or that he was yeah, yeah. <laughs> or maybe these canes were for the an affect or an affectation like who oh. knows maybe <laughs> maybe he was bucked off a horse like yeah yeah you know I, those are the things i want to know more about and i never will now because that no. window is closed yeah right? yeah there was another portrait of an asian gentleman with a fedora hat or a hat and he ended up going to prince george and starting one of the first chinese schools and that was really really yeah. an such an interesting yeah. story too yeah so and yeah. then the and i became friends with his brother mm-hmm mm -hmm. Wow. And uh, and then through his brother, I became friends with his one of his sons, <laughs> hmm. and uh, and then I've uh, I'm now in contact with the you know the great grandsons of those people, and they were ranchers as well. On hmm. the in that neighborhood I was telling you about earlier, on the east side of the or the west side, forgive me, of the Quinell River or the Fraser River, mm -hmm. um, 
where indigenous Chinese uh, Caucasian ranchers all sort of lived um, in each other's pockets and mm -hmm. partied together <laughs> and, yeah. you know, faced the same weather patterns together, right? So, yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah so, there was so, even a story that at one point that the Chinese, and I, I didn't go into a lot of this research and there's so much more to learn, right? That, that the Chinese weren't able to own land at some point and, you know, forgive my lack of historical knowledge on this, I should probably know it, but, but one of the families down there, I think it was the Websters who had a ranch, they either, either this Chinese family owned land, but then some laws came down that they couldn't, so, or, or, or it was that way thus ever, and uh, so the Websters held the ranch in the Websters' name for that man's family, the Lee family, and, uh, and when that heinous, racist piece of legislation was gone, then um, the Websters just sort of gave it back to them. Yeah, right? yeah, I think that, that that was the life. That's what happened up there. You know, you yeah. took care of each other just to yeah. be able to get through it all. Yeah, for um, sure. But so, I mean, if you, so, if you were in love with your, if your friend's wife, you might murder him. But you know, there's that yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think there was one, one story I read in the book yeah. of, of someone that had murdered somebody on the coast and ended up yeah. up caribou. That's right. One yeah. yeah, so the research is still going on, you know, even today. Yes, still... yes absolutely. Well. Yeah, for sure. And um, yeah, no, it's, there's still lots of interest in this uh, work. And uh, mm -hmm. I just fielded a call from someone that's interested because we made a film about a documentary about this as well after mm -hmm. the exhibition mm -hmm. and uh, that someone is interested in possibly, anyways, looking at revisiting this work again. Uh, well, what else? What else? Yeah, I don't know. Um, is there, is there, you know, I, I think we've only seen maybe how many photographs were in the show? 87 photographs? 81. Like for, for whatever reason, I, I, I did an earlier exhibit and there was 21. I don't yeah. know why. I, imagine, I wanted to do 20, but 21 happened. And for yeah. this show at uh, the old presentation house, now Polygon, it was, I wanted to do 80 and there was 81. <laughs> so there were <laughs> 81 I, images. Yeah, but there's there are 1,500 other, yeah. 1,500 other photographs. Yeah, be seen and and it would be wonderful to be able to see them. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's talk to that Polygon Gallery and get them to uh, <laughs> to remount. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, that's probably a good place to. Do you end. know anyone who works there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I might have a little bit of pull. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Polygon podcast. Visit thepolygon.ca to learn more about this episode. This podcast is produced by the Polygon Gallery in North Vancouver, located on the traditional, ancestral, and unceded territory of the Squamish, Musqueam, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting our work by making a donation. Visit thepolygon.ca slash donate to find out more.